0: We're in Joshua chapter 22, and if you're new, we've been plowing through the book of Joshua, and as a church, one of our values is we teach the Bible, so that's what we're going to do. We teach the Bible every Sunday, so we explain it, we apply it, we read it, and you may know that what happened here is the children of Israel, they went into the land there, they entered the land, and then they conquered the land, then they divided the land, then they had to figure out how we're going to live in the land. So we're talking about that today. How do you live in the land? How do you live in the promised land? How do they, I mean, how do you relate to God? How do you relate to one another? And so how then shall we live? Part two. Next week will be part three. How then shall we live here? And so how are you supposed to live according to like how God intended? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to see that uh, they were not living the way that God intended and how we can do the same thing here. So if you're able to stand, I'd love to have you stand. If you're not, go ahead and stay seated. If you're able to stand, please stand for the public reading of Scripture. And so I'm going to read verse 10. You can read verse 11. I'll read verse 12. It says this, Joshua chapter 22. But While they were still in Canaan, and when they came to a place called Gilead near the Jordan River, the men of Reuben, or the people, the children of Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, stopped to build a large and imposing altar. So the whole community of Israel gathered at Sekla and prepared to go to war against them. Well done. You may be seated. And so, Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you for your word. Pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you are the one that has conquered death to give us life that has no end. Thank you that we're here in in, in your house, the right place at church on Super Bowl Sunday. Pray for those watching online and those new to church and students and young adults and adults and all, that as we look at your word, it would probe us and penetrate us and mold us and remold us and come alive in our hearts and that we would understand from Scripture how then shall we live. pray that you'd bless your word in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, saying? So if you're just joining us, last week we talked about five foundations for following God. And we looked at kind of some bullet points there. Uh, and what are we supposed to do as Christ followers? Like, what are you supposed to do? How do you live? And so we unpacked five of those. And we talked about the first one was, like, you have to obey God. Like, if you're going to do this, you need to obey God. And we talked about, well, what does that look like? What that looks like is you, you figure out what God wants. You hear God's voice, and, and you do what he says. And following Christ can, can be as easy as, as that there. All we talked about that said, you know, you got to be careful. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. You know, be spiritually alert, spiritually alive there. And then secondly, it talked about loving God. To love God with all your heart and your mind and your soul, Jesus said. In other words, with, with your inner person, with, with all that you are, with all of your life, all of yourself, all of your passion, all of your desire, all of your being there, that's how you're to live, to, to love God that way. And then thirdly, you're to walk in all of his ways, not just some of his ways, not just the ways that you want to walk in, but this is like a a lifestyle of walking in his ways step by step, whether or not it makes sense, whether or not you agree, whether or not it's popular, whether or not you have to uh, swim upstream, whether or not it's against culture. And then number four, we talked about clinging to Christ. In other words, to stay close, to we gave an illustration of being glued to him, to cleave to him in the thick and the thin of life there. Literally, then, it is to have a, a unity with the Almighty, a unity with the Almighty, uh, to have a, a relationship that really is intimate with him, that's close with him. We've talked about that means no gaps in the original language. That with Caleb, they didn't, he didn't want to have all these gaps between him and God. And so to cling to him... Not just when things are good, but in every situation there. To cling to God in, in every moment, in every thought, in your desire, in trials, and tumultuous situations, and so uh, every challenge, in times of good and times of bad. And then the last one, the last pillar that we looked at, was to serve God. Bible said, Joshua said, to serve Him with all of your heart and all of your soul. In other words, wholehearted and whole-souled there. So today, we're going to continue in part two, How Then Shall We Live? So the backstory here that we read, I'm just going to kind of unpack it for you quickly. But they're on the brink of civil war, all over a massive misunderstanding about this altar that they built. The Big Brother, nine and a half tribes on one side of the Jordan, were like came to a massive misconclusion about their motives. So they're ready to to have war against them. And I think it's so important that we talk about, because in church, many people are wounded and hurt because of misunderstandings. Many people are not in church today because of misunderstandings uh, and the very thing that we're going to talk about here. And so just before then, they cross over the Jordan River. The Bible says that the men of Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh, watch, they stopped they stopped then to build a large bridge. They stopped to build a large and imposing altar here. Verse 10. Look at that. They're just crossing over. That's what they were supposed to do. But then they paused there, and they had some thoughts. And they says, you know what? Uh, there's a lot of things that could happen when we end up on the other side. And so we got to do some stuff. So generations will remember, let's build a memorial. And now, so they build a memorial or an altar that really was some form of like that. It really was like a bunch of dirt and stones and, uh, and all. But the big brothers, the nine and a half tribes on the other side, they totally thought they were doing something else. And so everything is fine. Everything is good. Everything is calm. Everything is beautiful until we get to verse 11. And I would say the very same thing is true in church. Everything can be fine. Everything can be calm. Everything can be beautiful. Everything can be good until we get to verse 11 here. And so because this is where, this is the genesis of misunderstanding. Now watch this, verse 11, watch. Here's the problem. Don't anybody miss this? Watch. The rest of Israel, that's the nine and a half tribes on the other side, somehow they heard. Some joker said something that the people of Reuben of Gad, the half tribe of Israel... They built an altar here, right, on the west side of the Jordan, and they have evil intentions. They're going to leave us. They're going to split from us. They're going to go and do their own thing. We can't let that happen. All a total misunderstanding here. So someone there in the tribe of Israel uh, blabs out, hey, you know what's happening here? Something about an altar on the other side of the Jordan River sounded kind of weird to me. I, something, I don't know what was going on with those people over there, Gad and Reuben, the half-tribe of Manasseh, but I heard a statement. And I heard that the people over there, they're, they're going to do some bad stuff, and we need to deal with it. And so uh, they heard then they are going to build this altar, and they come to a massive uh, misconclusion about it. they They assume the wrong conclusion here, that they're thinking, yeah, they're going to break off. They're going to do their own religious thing there. And they, they, they had a completely colossal misunderstanding. So the point is this. What do you do in church to minimize misunderstanding? This, we're talking civil war. Almost hit here. Civil war. And so, you know, there can be civil war in churches. Uh, there, there's civil war in churches all the time here. So first of all, we need to do this. Okay. Uh, when you are in doubt about something you don't understand, check it out. When in doubt... Check it out, okay? Ask first before you draw conclusions. Okay, minimize, the point is this, you can minimize misunderstandings because we can assume things and so we need to build into our lives this. Build into your lives asking the question, hey, just for my clarity, text it, email it, say it. I do it a lot. Hey, just for my clarity, and then get the clarity on something that is questionable, something that could be hurtful, something that could be offensive. It, it, it could be that you are the one that's misunderstanding what someone else is saying or doing there. You may misunderstand what they mean. So, just for my clarity, imagine if they would have done that. If, they, if the, the big brothers, the nine and a half tribes, said, hey, just for our clarity, like, what are those rocks all about? Could you tell, no, you're going to see here, they come to a completely massive uh, false conclusion here. And so uh, just recently, uh, I got a text, and the text was, uh, the church doesn't need me anymore. And I thought to myself, where did that come from? And then I got the the next part. I came to church, and the greeter said, are you new? to which she said I have been coming since the first uh, day uh, that the church opened and was offended and hurt and I guess you don't know who I am a new greeter doesn't know who everybody is by the way what you should do is you say hey how long have you been coming that way you'd never be embarrassed, okay? Just a little insight there. you never been. How long have you been coming? Not, it's your first time. But anyway, so uh, you must not need me anymore. Coming to a conclusion, I'm not needed because you don't know who I am. Nothing can be farther from the truth here. So anyway, but it also, I just want to make the point that for the two and a half tribes, that was a little reckless. They could have communicated. They could have said something to Big Brother 9.5 tribes on the, on the, on the other side there. And so... Uh, they could have averted potential disaster here had they communicated there. And so had they gone face to face and said, hey, here's what we're thinking. We're going to explain this. Are you cool with that? I mean, we've been together for 47 years here. And, and then ultimately what happens is some joker has a wrong conclusion. And then look at verse 12. So the whole community, watch verse 12. Look at this. So the whole community, all, all the nine and a half tribes gathered at Silo and prepared Look at this, to go to war over a miscommunication. See the power uh, of words and the power of what we assume. We can be so wrong in what we conclude. We can be, and this happens in marriages, relationships, churches, leadership, all the time here. All the time these two verses are happening here. So now, what a reckless response that this is. How reckless. All they had to do was ask, but they jumped to a conclusion and prepare for war against their little brothers and sisters there. How crazy. And so so how then shall we live? Here it is. Point number one, not assuming the worst about others. Not assuming the worst about others. How much damage is done? How much damage has been done to you And you think about your life? How much damage have you potentially done to others when you jump to a false conclusion and assume the worst? And, and uh, what is it about us? What is it about us who wants to believe the worst in people? That's where the whole, the, the other tribes, uh, nine and a half tribes, they're believing the worst. 47 years they've been together and they're believing the worst about them. How many people, there? they get shipwrecked. Their faith sometimes gets shipwrecked. They no longer want to be a part of Faith communities because of this very dynamic that's happening here. So this monumental misunderstanding arose, and the same thing happens in churches. And that's why I'm making such a big deal about it. Uh, People get separated and uh, divided and leave and hurt and wounded and all of that because of this very dynamic right here. And so just imagine all it would have taken if someone would have crossed the line and just talked to the other tribes there, and they could have settled it. So Jesus said, "Hey, if you got something against your brother, just go to them and settle it." Verse thirteen. First, however, they send a delegate. They're sending the cops here. Okay, they're sending a delegation led by Phineas, who is the son of Eleazar, the priest, the big guy, to talk with the tribes of Reuben and Gad and half tribe of Manasseh. He says, "Okay, you, you go talk to them, find out what's going on." So, in the delegation, there's ten leaders or rulers or the chiefs of Israel. Uh, one of them from each of the, the ten tribes or families, and each uh, the head of his family within the clans of Israel. And so, again, they're, bring, they're, bringing, they're bringing the house. And then, verse 15, when they arrived in the land of Gilead, they said to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Watch, here it is, watch. The whole community of the Lord demands. Like, we want to know what's up. Demands, why, why are you betraying the God of Israel? They're not betraying the God of Israel. They're just building Uh, rocks of remembrance, so their children will know, remember the moment. But you're betraying the God of Israel. How could you turn away from the Lord? They're not turning away from the Lord. They're totally faithful to the Lord. How could you turn away from the Lord and build an altar for yourselves in rebellion against him? That's That's as great of a misunderstanding as you can possibly come to there. But here's what, this is God's people. Remember, we're talking about how to live in the land. This is how not to live in the land here. Is there any grace showed? Any communication? Are they quick to judgment? Are they quick to judgment? Does the Bible says that these things were written for us? Because we do the same thing. Yeah. And so uh, could they have been a a little more gracious? Verse 21. Here's the answer. They're going to answer now. Then the people of Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh answered, to the heads of the clans of Israel. Watch, watch. Here's what they said. The Lord, the mighty one, is God. The Lord, the mighty one, is God, and he knows the truth. You sure do not know the truth. You are lost. You guys are out there. I mean, you have no idea what's going to. But God knows the truth, and they're like, they're pulling out all the big names of who God is, you know, Yahweh, El Elohim. So watch what it says here. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. We've not done what you think. We've not done, we didn't build an altar in treacherous rebellion against the Lord. That's a bunch of nonsense. They're here, now, they're having to defend themselves against the lies and the judgment, and how many people end up in this very position here. Go back to that verse again. This very thing. You're defending yourself against lies. If we had, but look, they're being so gracious and humble. But if we had done so, uh, don't spare our lives. The reality is we haven't, but if we had. Yeah, okay, it's all good. It's cool, but we haven't done that. We're not. We're not being rebellious. Everything you think is the opposite of what you think. You're judging us. And so this happens. So here's the reality. Look at the next verse. Verse 24 it says the truth is. Here's the truth. Okay, you need to know the truth. We built this altar for fear. That's it. They were fearful. It's not treacherous rebellion and all that nonsense. We were fear uh, about the future of our descendants, about our children and our children's children that would say, hey, what right do you have to worship the Lord, the God of Israel? Like we were afraid we would be cut off because you're on one side of the Jordan, on, on the east side, we're on the west side. Oh, we thought the generations would come and, and so we were afraid and so we admitted it uh, and, and there didn't need to be civil war over this whole thing. We thought like the Jordan River would be like a dividing line there. And you're on one side, we're on the other side. And we feared that future generations, we would be excluded. We would be forgotten. And we wouldn't be able to worship in the, in the, in the tabernacle. We'd be excluded from church. And so uh, that fear of ours drove us to do this, to remind our generations that it's not like that. We're a part of them. We're in unity with them. It's east and west, but we're all together. And the Jordan does not divide us. So the rock's there. It's not that we're building a tabernacle. It's simply an edifice. It's simply a symbol. They're an altar of rocks of remembrance. So our children will not forget. We're not rebelling against the Lord. So we have to be careful, friends, uh, because so many times uh, we make decisions predicated on fear. Remember, this is how to live. the promised land the promised life we do it all the time we're not even aware that we do it we're not even aware that we do it and so much so uh, that it just becomes part of who we are so i would say i'm in a learning group and in the learning group the one that was facilitating the group there was about 10 or 12 of us they're all pastor types in southern california and he went around the room and he he said do you make decisions based on fear And and you had to answer you know and everyone's listening and do you make decisions based on fear? And he knew he was, he was coming to me. I'm thinking to myself, do I make decisions based on fear? And, you know, and so I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking, like, I'm not even sure. i like, he says, Rod, do you make decisions based on fear? I says, no. The next person. The next, and then and I was thinking about it. And I kept thinking about it because I, I never really thought about it, you know. And then as I thought about it, that, yeah, I'm, a, I'm fearful of failure. I really am, and I, and I, and I, but it took me a long time to really process that. I just to really have a self awareness that I, I am fearful of failing, and that drives me. And I know it's wrong, but but I had to, but I never thought about it until then. And how many people here are driven by fear of failing? And the Bible says God, like God, didn't give us a spirit of fear. And so God doesn't lead you by causing you to become fearful. That's not that's not how He leads you. So I think that's true. And I, I'm having to confess that, that, that that has shaped my life. So the two and a half tribes here, they built this monument, and really it was so look, but but we did it so that our gender, our kids, our kids, when they, they go down to play by the Jordan River and uh And they would be reminded that, hey, we're all one. We're not separate from the tribes on the other side of the river. And we grew up together and we warred together and we're one with them. And so uh, we don't want our kids to think we're some alienated, you know, out there faction doing our own thing here. So look, look, verse 26. Look, here it is. Look, look, look. So we decided then to build the altar not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. Not like you think. Not the kind of altar that you think. That had nothing to do with why we built this altar. So go to the the next verse there. Go to the next verse. It says, it's not not a temple that we're doing here, but here it is. Here's the reality of why we did it. Simply a memorial so our families would never forget uh, each other in the days and months and years and generations to come. It's a memorial. It's not a church. So watch. Says it will remind them. That's all it's for. <laughs> our descendants and your descendants that we we've got a right to worship the Lord at this sanctuary with our burnt offerings and sacrifice and peace offerings. Then your descendants will not be able to say to ours, hey, you, you can't worship with us. You can't come to the temple. You're not allowed here. So there it is, that, that all this colossal misunderstanding over that. So they were afraid. That's what their fear drove them to do. And How often our, our fear can drive us. And so verse 28 says, it's not, it's not for burnt offerings and sacrifice. It's a reminder of the relationship that both of us have with the Lord there. And so you can see what happens in, in, in the, the conclusion that happened because of their fear. And so uh, I think now what, what is, how do, how do you conclude this mess? How do you conclude this mess? So it says here in verse 33, And all the Israelites were satisfied and praised God and spoke no more of going to war against Reuben and Gad and then the half-tribe of Manasseh. And so think about this. Think about this. They're happy and all. Was there any apology? Was there any asking for forgiveness? They had judged them. Uh, big brother came to a totally treacherous, false conclusion, ready to declare war on them. But do they ever admit the truth? You know, hey, we were wrong. I'm sorry. Would you forget? Zero. Zero. Remember, this is how do you live in the land? And how many people, when you do wrong, you don't want to admit the obvious that you were wrong and confess, confess in the original uh, language means homo legeo, to say the same thing. You don't want to say the same thing that God is saying about you. Uh, that you were wrong. Confess, the Bible says, you're sin one to another. And so fulfill the law of Christ. And so, lastly here, it, it took them so long to bury the hatchet. It took them so long. And they never actually asked for forgiveness. They're happy here, but they never asked for forgiveness. So, number three, how you live in the land, you bury the hatchet. You, you ask for forgiveness then. So, not only do we not make decisions based on fear, not only do you not uh, assume the worst about others, but forgive. This is the rest of what the Bible is saying to us in Joshua 22 about how do you live as a community of followers of Yahweh, or in our case, Jesus. So, anyways, so there you have it. So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to continue... In part three, part three of how then shall we live? It's so good because we need to be reminded about how to live. So this is what Jesus would delight in if we would do these things. And so we're going to close in in, uh, worship. What I want to do is I want to give you the gift before we leave here. I want to give you the gift of just a moment to reflect on your own life. A moment to reflect. If you could bow your heads with me. And I would, I would ask you, with our heads bowed, is there anyone that you need to forgive? Is there anyone that is surfacing in your mind your heart perhaps even becoming more real to you that i need to bury the hatchet are are you making decisions that are completely consumed by fear are you a person that you lean into assuming the worst about others? And if so, you want to hear God's voice. So Father, we pray that you would do what only you can do. And you would speak to us and that we would hear your voice. That we would hear the voice of God through the word of God. We're asking that you would transform us by your power, by the power of your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit at work. May we not come and sit under your divine outbreathings and leave unchanged. But may you not only shape us, but reshape us and mold us and remold us, that we might reflect more of who you are. We ask that you would do this by your grace, by your power, by the working of your Holy Spirit, that you would do this and you would do more. In Jesus' name, amen.